You know, it's funny how memories come to us. Just recently, I was thinking about way back when, a long time ago, when my wife and I were first married, and we were in this apartment, and I was studying in seminary, studying for the ministry. Hace años, mi esposa y yo, recién casados, estábamos en un apartamento, estaba estudiando yo en el seminario. And uh, we had this little aquarium in our apartment. It was, you know, nice to have just a little bit of life in, in that place. And we had some little bit of tropical fishes and just a nice aquarium. Teníamos un acuario en el apartamento. But as we had that aquarium there, there was a, a problem that developed, había un problema que surgió, and that is that there was this sticky, slimy, green film that started to form along the sides of the aquarium uh, on the tank. Había esta película, esta capa verde pegajosa que se formaba en, en los lados de vidrio del tanque. It was on the glass. And, and so uh, we tried to clean that up. We tried, you know, washing out the tank and, and just getting everything clean. And it just kept coming back. Limpiábamos el tanque y siempre surgía otra vez. And so, you know, what to do? This was a problem. Había un problema. I don't recall how, but I think somewhere along the way, somebody told us that what we needed was an algae eater. Ocupábamos un come algas. An algae eater, not a person that would lick out the tank, that would be gross, but a fish, okay? Ocupábamos un, un pez especial, it's a special kind of fish, kind of like a catfish, a sucker-mouthed fish, and so we, somehow we got a hold of an algae eater, and we stuck this fish in the tank, uh, pudimos comprar un come algas uh, uh, con este, esta, este bocico especial, and this fish did what that one there is doing. It attached itself basically to the side of the tank, and it just started eating systematically up and down all around, and it kept that tank crystal clean and clear. Ese pez empezaba a comer de un lado al otro todas las algas que estaba en el acuario. Now, that was an amazing thing. I mean, all the other fish and the plants in the tank were contributing to the problem of the algae. Los otros peces contribuían al problema. But there was this one fish that was actually bringing the solution, and that was the algae eater. Había un, un pez que traía una solución. And so I want you to have that image in your mind for just a minute of an algae eater. Quiero que piensen en esa imagen. And I want you to keep that, that image with you as we share now in the scripture where we're going to be camping today. And it's from the letter to the Hebrews, or letter of Hebrews, chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. Es de Hebreos 2, el 14 al 18. Now, Hebrews is in the second half of the Bible. And if you see on the screen a page number, that is connected to the Bibles in the back. And you can look this up. And I'd love for you to follow along with me as I go through this. La página indica donde está el texto en las Biblias de atrás. I'm going to be uh, kind of going through this verse by verse, but I will begin by reading two verses. Voy a mirar versículo por versículo y comenzando con, un so, uh, con dos versículos. So I want to start with Hebrews chapter 2, 14 and 15. And I'm going to read it first in Spanish, and then I'll read it in English. Voy a leer primero en español. This is the word of God, la palabra de Dios. Dice lo siguiente. Por tanto, ya que ellos son de carne y hueso, él también compartió esa naturaleza humana para anular mediante la muerte 
al que tiene el dominio de la muerte, es decir, al diablo, y librar a todos los que por temor a la muerte estaban sometidos a esclavitud durante toda la vida. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. This is talking about children. What kind of children? Children created by God. Habla de los hijos creados por Dios. And it says that as the children have flesh in, and blood, as the children uh, uh, breathe oxygen, as the children eat and drink and sleep and do all these things that human beings do, so too God's son came and shared in our human condition. Así como los hijos tienen un, un carne y hueso y respiran, etc., el Hijo de Dios compartió nuestra naturaleza humana. God's Son came into our world as a human being and He shared that situation. He came into our environment, you could say. El Hijo de Dios llegó a nuestro ambiente and He came to live among us, the Bible says. But what He also came to do said he came to die among us. El vino a morir entre nosotros. Why? So that by his death, he might accomplish something special. He might actually destroy the power of death and break the power of him who has the power of death. To destroy the work of the devil. Vino a, a, a destruir al que tiene dominio de la muerte, es decir, al diablo. There's a curse, there's a, a grip that death had upon the whole creation. And, and the son came in, he came in like us, and he died. But his death did not do what our death did. His death broke the power of death. Su muerte quebró el poder de la muerte. And so it says we also now are set free from the fear of death, from the slavery of death. Ya para librar a los que tenían temor a la muerte y vivían en esclavitud. This is something we need to wrap our minds around that Jesus, the Son of God, came into our world and he took on a human nature. He took on a body that was capable of living in this world, but also a body that was capable of dying. Él tenía un cuerpo, Jesús tenía un cuerpo capaz de vivir en ese mundo y también de morir. Now you think about that. You say, wait a minute, Jesus was perfect. Él era perfecto. How could his body be capable of dying. ¿Cómo que su cuerpo era capaz de morir? Well, I think the answer is that even though he came as a perfect one, his body, his human body, was put in an environment like ours, an environment outside of Eden, outside of paradise. He came into our sinful, broken world. And in this sinful, broken world, even a body that is perfect is exposed to the brokenness of this world. El vino a este mundo pecaminoso y por eso podía morir. That's how he could die. Let's go on to verse 16. Versículo 16. Pues ciertamente no vino un auxilio de los ángeles, sino de los descendientes de Abraham. For surely it is not 
angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. The Son of God did not come to help angels. No vino en auxilio de los ángeles. He did not come to help angels. If, if Jesus had come to help angels, he would have come as an angel. Hubiera venido como un ángel, but he didn't. In fact, he did not come to help angels because heaven's angels don't need help and hell's angels are beyond help. But he came to help you and me. And so he took on a body. El vino en un cuerpo como nosotros. And angels, you see, could not help us either. And that's the whole point that the writer of the Hebrews is making is how Jesus is superior to the angels even though he came a little bit below them. He came to where we are. Angels could not help us. Los ángeles no nos pudieron ayudar. Have you ever noticed in the Bible, this is the thing I notice about angels. Whenever you hear a story or read a story in the Bible about angels, what happens? They appear and then they disappear, right? Se aparecen y aparecen. It's almost as if angels, by their very nature, cannot exist in this realm for very long. It's like they can get in a little bit, but then they got to track out. They got to get out and leave this place. Pueden entrar, pero después tienen que desaparecerse. But you see, Jesus came in a human form, a human being, a human body. He came and he put himself in the environment of our world 100%. To help us. El vino para estar en nuestro ambiente 100%. It says he doesn't come to help angels, but Abraham's descendants. Vino en auxilio de los descendientes de Abraham. Who are the descendants of Abraham? Well, there's a, there's a biological uh, uh, answer to that question. It's the people of Israel. Son los israelitas según la biología. But the writer of Hebrews here isn't telling us about a biological answer. He's saying... The descendants of Abraham are those who, like Abraham, have faith. Son los que tienen fe. Abraham's the original man of faith. Jesus was born out of Abraham's family line, but he came to help those who would have faith in him, those who would know that they need a Savior, those that would clutch on and embrace him by faith. Vino a ayudar, a dar auxilio a los que serían como Abraham, hombres y mujeres de fe que abrazarían a Jesús por fe. Let's go on to verse 17, versículo 17. Por eso era preciso que en todo se asemejara a sus hermanos para ser un sumo sacerdote fiel y misericordioso al servicio de Dios a fin de expiar los pecados del pueblo. For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. God's son had to be like us in every single way. So as we said before, he could enter into our environment, into our condition 100%. Él tenía que ser como nosotros para entrar en nuestro ambiente. And he entered into our environment. He came into this world, it says, as a faithful and, and merciful high priest. Vino como un sumo sacerdote fiel y misericordioso. A faithful priest. He was faithful 
in his service to God. He was faithful in representing God's plan and God's will. Él era fiel a Dios su Padre y al servicio de Dios, but he was also merciful. Merciful in providing, it says, atonement or making payment for our sins by his death. Era misericordioso al, al expiar o pagar los pecados de nosotros. So a priest is a go-between. A priest is a representative that brings two parties together. Jesus was faithful to God and he was merciful to us and so he brings us together to make atonement. Él era fiel a Dios y, y misericordioso a nosotros para expiar los pecados. He is the perfect one for that. Let's go back to my aquarium. My aquarium needed an algae eater, right? A fish that would be like all the other fishes, a fish that could swim in that water, that could be in that environment 100%, and yet my aquarium needed a fish that was unlike any other fish. A fish that could do the opposite of what the other fishes were doing. Instead of contributing to the green, gross junk of my tank, I needed a fish that could actually absorb that stuff and eat it up. Yo ocupaba un pez como los otros y sin embargo no como los otros que podía absorber esa capa verde pegajosa del tanque. So you see where I'm going here. The Bible is telling us basically that our world needed a sin eater. Ocupábamos un come pecados. We needed a human being like all the rest of us human beings, one who could come and who could live in this environment of this sinful, broken world, un ser humano que podía vivir en este mundo quebrantado y pecaminoso, and yet our world needed a human being unlike any other. Ocupábamos uno que no era como los demás. A human being that would do the opposite Instead of adding to the contamination and the pollution of sin and, and pain and evil in, the, in this world, we needed someone who would take that sin and absorb it into himself. Ocupábamos alguien que podría absorber ese pecado a sí mismo. That's what Jesus has done. That's why he died. He absorbed the sin and evil of, of our world into himself. He took upon himself our sin. Él absorbió nuestro pecado. And so he becomes a faithful and merciful high priest. The perfect go-between between us and God. Él es el mediador perfecto entre nosotros y Dios. Jesus, get this, Jesus is the real deal. Él es el original, el verdadero. Why? Because he comes into our world and our condition and he dies and he rises in order to take us into his world and his condition. Él entra en nuestro mundo y nuestra condición para llevarnos en su muerte y resurrección a su mundo y su condición. That's the great, amazing, mysterious Wonderful truth of the gospel, the good news. Let's go to verse 18, versículo 18. 
because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Por haber sufrido él mismo, la tentación puede socorrer a los que son tentados. He was like us in every single way, even to the point of being tempted. Él era como nosotros hasta el punto de ser tentado. Jesus knows our pain. He knows the pain of being tempted by sin. I imagine that you're tempted. Anybody here not tempted? I don't think so. It's painful, isn't it? It hurts to be tempted. It's hard to be tempted. Es difícil. It, there's suffering. He suffered when he was tempted. Just like you and I suffer when we were tempted. Él sufrió cuando era tentado como nosotros. But here's the difference. Jesus has suffered in a way you and I have never suffered. Él ha sufrido de otra forma. Jesus now is not only the pain of being tempted, he knows the pain of saying no to temptation every single time. He knows the pain of denying himself and saying yes to God the Father every single time. Él conoce el dolor de rechazar la tentación siempre y siempre negarse y decir que sí a su Padre. That's a pain you and I don't know. Because we've said yes to temptation. And we've said no to God. You don't think that was painful? Check out this place called Gethsemane. Where Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done, Father. And he sweat drops of blood. El sudó gotas de sangre diciendo, tu voluntad, no la mía se haga, Padre. See, here's the deal. Jesus isn't some superhuman figure. He's human, like us in every way. Only he is more human than you and me. Because sin makes us less than what God created us to be. El pecado nos hace menos humano. Y Jesús es más humano. That's the difference. He was subject to the weakness of our sinful environment and, and, and to the temptations of our sinful environment. Estaba sujeto a la debilidad de las tentaciones en nuestro ambiente pecaminoso. But here's the difference. Jesus didn't add to the cesspool. <laughs> he didn't add to the contamination, the pollution of sin and brokenness and misery and rebellion. Él no contribuyó a la rebelión, la miseria de este mundo, a la contaminación pecaminosa. That's different. So he comes into our world and he's bringing into our broken world a new world, a new creation. Él trae una nueva creación. That's the message. Now, I want to show you a picture. I want you to see if, look at that, all right? So there's, There's a line. I don't know if that really means much to you. Eso no, a lo mejor no significa mucho. But for the first Christians, this had meaning. You say, well, that's not a cross. How could that have meaning for the first Christians? For the early church, for the first believers, this was an invitation. Para los cristianos, primeros cristianos, era una invitación. How was that an invitation? It was an invitation 
to do something similar to that, to write something like that against it. Go to the next slide. See, you make another arc. You've got a fish, right? This was a way that early Christians used to recognize one another. Los primeros cristianos se reconocían así. If they met someone and they thought that that person might be a follower of Jesus, because they were in an environment of persecution, por la persecución, one person would draw an arc in the sand. And if that other person was a Christian, they would also draw an opposite arc in the sand to form the symbol of a fish. Una persona escribía un arco en la arena y el otro, el otro, otro arco al opuesto. And that fish was a symbol of what they believed. It was a symbol of faith. Why? Well, it's kind of complicated, but the Greek word, the common language of the day was Greek. El griego era común en aquellos tiempos. And the Greek word ichthus is fish. And the letters ichthus in the word fish stand for Jesus Christ, God, Son, Savior. It was an abbreviation. La letra Ixus representa Jesucristo, Dios, Hijo, Salvador. In other words, with that little fish symbol, they were, they were communicating, this is, this is my life. This is what I'm about. This is the stream I'm following. It was an invitation. It was saying, in a sense, I'm part now of something new that God's doing in the world through Jesus, and I actually have the opportunity, the unique opportunity, to actually be a part of what Jesus is doing, to put things right, to, to change the world, to actually clean up the world instead of polluting it. Yo tengo la oportunidad por medio de Jesús de hacer un impacto positivo en el mundo. And that is what we have too. This is an invitation. It's the invitation of Christmas, and it's the message that we believe in as Christians. So simple. Here it is. Since Jesus entered into your world and your condition and died for you and rose for you, you can now begin to enter into his world in his condition. Jesús entró en tu mundo, en tu condición, para morir y resucitar, para que entraras en su mundo y su condición. How do we enter into the world and the condition of Jesus? Well, he died and rose, right? Él murió, resucitó. The good news is that we're to die and to rise. We die to everything from the cesspool. We die to those things that hold us in slavery and fear, the things that bind us. Morimos a las cosas que nos atan y que nos sujetan. That's called repentance. It's called turning away. And we rise to begin to live new life in Christ. We, we are new creations. And so that's the good news. Somos nuevas criaturas en Cristo. Jesus became a bottom dweller to help bottom dwellers. And in case you're Wondering, yes, I'm calling you a bottom dweller. <laughs> Sorry. Jesús vino a ayudar a los que están al fondo, ¿verdad? But we have this opportunity to be a part of God's plan, to set things right, to call people to faith, to usher in his kingdom. And so as I'm thinking about this next year, our theme for 2020 is keeping it real. El tema del año va a ser, seamos realistas. 
This may be one of the more challenging things for us to do, to keep it real. And I'm excited, though a little bit apprehensive, because if that is the theme and I'm saying let's keep it real, that means that I have to join in that. And it's a struggle, right? But we're going to work on this in a way that is healthy, in a way that is good, in the way God's word would have us to do it. Vamos a trabajar en esto según la palabra de Dios. And so to help us do that, uh, next week we're going to begin, I'm excited about this, we're going to begin a, a deep dive into the gospel of Luke. The gospel of Luke. Vamos a estar investigando el evangelio de San Lucas. It's the third book in the uh, New Testament. It's got 24 chapters, and starting in January, going all the way through to mid-April, to Easter Sunday, we're going to do a deep dive into Luke. Why? Because that's the story of Jesus. Vamos a mirar a Lucas hasta el domingo de resurrección, de enero hasta abril. And so I'm going to be giving you more on that next week. I'll be talking about how we're going to do that. But as we do that, here, here's what I want to invite you to in this whole year of keeping it real. There are a couple things I want to encourage you to think about as you're making your New Year's resolutions. One, we've been in a project as a church to read the Bible in a two-year cycle. Estamos leyendo como iglesia la Biblia en dos años. Many of you are, are doing that. Some of you are attempting that. Some of you are wishing you could attempt that. And others are thinking, I could never do that. We're all in different places, right? I want to encourage you to give it a try. We have reading schedules that are available, and we're going to have a new schedule next week. We're on a two-year cycle to read through the entire Bible. That becomes like the background music of my life, to have God's word in my life. Es, es como música alrededor de mí en la Biblia, la vida, tener la Biblia y leer la Biblia todos los días. It takes about 10 minutes a day, okay? That's not long. I want to encourage you to think about that. The additional step I want you to think about through this first three months, hay otro paso estos tres meses, I want to encourage you each week to study with me two chapters of Luke per week. And I'm going to give you a study guide. And again, we're talking about maybe 15 to 30 minutes extra of sitting down and diving into those two chapters. Uh, and so I'm hoping that you'll take up that challenge. And again, I'm going to have much more detail on that next week. Uh, quiero que estudien dos capítulos de Lucas cada semana para profundizar más en lo que dice el texto. The goal is this. The goal is that we, we begin to keep it real in 2020 by getting to know the most real human being who ever lived, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Queremos conocer y, y ser realistas al conocer al, al ser humano más real de todos que es Jesucristo, el Hijo de Dios. And so he is the one who's come. He's come into our condition, our world, to lift us up to his condition. And we can, in a sense, rise to the top and float against the current of this present evil age what I've been calling the secular ocean that we live in. En Jesús podemos estar a flote en contra de la corriente de este mundo, de este mundo secular en que vivimos. So I want to invite you right now just to, to pray with me as we close the year, and let's ask the Lord Jesus to lead us. Vamos a orar.
Jesus, we uh, grasp for words to try to appreciate what you have done and are doing in our world today. You are more real than we could ever imagine. You are more human than we are, and yet you are completely God. Jesus, eres más humano que nosotros y sin embargo eres totalmente Dios. You have walked in our steps. You've lived among the brokenness and the hopelessness and the hurt of our sinful world. And you have given your life for us. Thank you. Gracias por caminar en nuestros pasos en este mundo pecaminoso y por dar tu vida por nosotros. And yet you are alive. You live never to taste death again. And you set the direction for our lives. I want to pray that this day, God, we can, we can begin to enter into your experience because you've come into ours. Que podamos entrar en tu experiencia, Señor. I want to pray for Sunrise, this ministry that you have so graciously given us for 20 plus years. And I want to pray that in this coming year, God, we can keep it real. Forgive us for the times we don't. Forgive us for the times we fail, we fall short, we want to hide our sin and our failure. Perdónanos, Señor, por no ser la iglesia que debemos ser. We are not a perfect group of people. We are sinners in need of a Savior. And yet you say we are children of God. Yet you say we are new creations. Yet you say we have all things in Christ. This is, is it's beyond our understanding. Y sin embargo, dices que somos nuevas criaturas e hijos de Dios a pesar de ser pecadores. So, Lord, bind us together as Mario prayed. Help us to be unified around Jesus Christ, God's Son, the Savior. Que podamos ser unificados alrededor de Jesucristo, Hijo de Dios, el Salvador. Thank you. We love you and we give you our hearts and our lives for your glory, for your honor. Para tu honra y para tu gloria. And all the people of God say, Amen.